0: Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday Morning Podcast. Today, Pastor Rex Johnson brings to us a special standalone message. In today's sermon, we will read from Psalms chapter 16, verses 1 through 11. And with today's sermon entitled, Don't Drop the Pilot, here's Pastor Rex Johnson. So I want to talk to you today I'm going to speak to you today on this subject. It's a standalone message. It's not a series. Don't drop the pilot. I'm going to speak on don't drop the pilot. By the way, that looks like a pretty nice place, isn't it? Uh, it'd be kind of nice to kind of dang your legs over those rocks over there. It'd be pretty nice. Psalms chapter 16, if you want to stand to your feet, we're going to read and look at the screen today and read, read this. I'm going to read it for you. Psalm chapter 16, verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, You're my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As far as the saints who are in the, on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Their sorrow shall be multiplied, who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. O Lord, You have the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. I love verse 6. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Verse 7 says simply this. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also shall instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Verse 9, therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol. Another word for hell. Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life, for in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I want to speak today on Don't Drop The pilot. Now, what I'm going to talk about today may may sound just a little negative tinted, but I want you to know that I preach truth in this pulpit, and I'm, I'm telling you, we are living in different times than we lived in the mom and pop days of the '50s. This is a different day. We are in a different zone, if I can use that terminology, and so because of that, I just think it's very important to get single-minded and single-focused in your life because if you don't, a lot of these things can absolutely overwhelm you in life. But if you stay single-focused, if you stay focused on the prize, you're going to win the prize. That's how it works, all right? I'm going to speak today, and don't drop the pilot. and You may be seated. God bless. Thanks for being here today. You know, there are some people in life who never let anything get them down. Never. They're like the little boy who kept bragging to his dad about how, what a great battery was. Finally, the father said, all right, son, show me what you can do. So the little boy got his softball and bat and they went to the backyard and the father stood to the side while the little boy tossed the ball up in the air and swung the bat with all of his might. Strike one, said the little fellow after he had missed the ball completely. Strike two, he said, as he missed the ball again. Strike three, he said, as he missed the third time. Then he turned to his father with a look of determination on a face on his face, and he announced, "Boy, am I a great pitcher or what?" <laughs> some people, some people deal with life that way. Many of us, however, need to hear the words of the psalmist when he said, "You will not leave my soul in Sheol; you'll not leave my soul in hell." The people of Israel knew what it was to have their souls left in hell. I'm not speaking of the literal flame of fire. I'm, not talking, about, I'm talking about hell on earth. Throughout the Old Testament, first Moses and later the prophets, the Israelites were constantly forced to remind their people that God had not forgotten and He had not forsaken them. In fact, in the Old Testament, Daniel advises us that God's people will have to suffer. That's going to happen. I don't mean God's not with you, but they will be redeemed. And in the New Testament, Hebrews, the Hebrews reiterated some painful and yet hopeful truth in the book of Hebrews. 35th verse of the 11th chapter says, Do not lose your courage then, because it brings with it a great reward. Hang on to your courage. In other words, the writer of Hebrews said, Keep on keeping on. He will not leave your soul in hell. It was that hope that kept the Jews looking for the Messiah. And the early Christians looking for Christ's return. God does not turn his back on his kids. You hear me. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. The much afflicted Job cries out, I know one thing. Some things I don't know, but I know one thing. I know my Redeemer liveth. Liveth. And we who hurt today with almost unspeakable emptiness in our soul take comfort in the psalmist's words, you will not leave my soul in hell. We all know what hell is. We all have been there. Many of us are living there right now. There's a character in, one, in a book that I read once in a play, describes hell this way. He said, don't you feel something that we are, uh, we are living, if you call it living, in a broken world? It's like a broken watch he said. He said the mainspring has stopped working. Just look at it. Nothing seems to have changed. Everything is in place, but when you put the watch to your ear, you don't hear it ticking nor do you see movement on its face. There may be some of us who feel like a watch with a broken mainspring, a mainspring, the body in which the heart has stopped beating, an empty shell with no hope for the future and a ton of regret for the past. But I remind you today, let your heart beat again because the psalmist said he will not leave my soul in hell obviously the psalmist is saying that god is aware of our situation now i'm going to date myself i used to i used to love to watch johnny carson there's nobody in the modern era that can even touch him i'm sorry jimmy fallon you're not there buddy Jack Benny was on his show one day, and during the interview, Benny turned to Johnny in in a unique way. He said, you know, the other night I dreamed about God, Johnny. And he said to me, Jack, and then Benny stopped with his characteristic long pause. And then he said, you know, Johnny, God practically knows everybody. I want to tell Mr. Benny, he's gone on, but I want to tell him God knows everybody. Everybody. He doesn't just know practically all of us. He knows all of us. But pastor, how could he? I'm not a child of God. I've never given my heart to the Lord. It doesn't matter. He calls you by name. He knows who you are. He knows your upbringing. He knows your down settings. He knows the hair on your head. Boy, mine are losing all the time. He knows where you are today. He knows how you feel today. He's a God that's big enough to carry all of us. And he's a God small enough to speak to one of us. And he knows who you are. He calls you by name. Isn't it wonderful to know? Even though I don't know him the way I want to know him, he knows me the way that he knows me. That's an awesome experience. God's on first name basis. It's kind of like a visiting psychiatrist that was in a state asylum one day. He was particularly intrigued with a patient he saw over in the corner, huddling up in a corner, just scratching himself, just scratching himself all over by himself. And the doctor said, my good man, why do you stand in the corner all by yourself, scratching yourself? He said, because I'm the only person in the world that knows where I itch. (laughs) No. No. God knows where we itch. God knows when your heart's broken. Boy, I feel this today. God knows where your pain is. You don't have to say, God, I got a little. No, God knows where your pain is. God, I got this. God knows where your pain is. He knows. He knows who we are. He knows what we're about. I was I was in the mall one day. It it, it was a day that I'd love to forget, but I I keep remembering it. There's a little there's a little alteration place on one end of the mall, and and I was on the second level, and that's on the first level, and I parked on the second level. And I'd all, I've done this before. I've, I've done this. I, it's happened in my life, and I've done it before. I, when I, I went to pick up my alteration, I had about two or three suits, and I had, I had some things, and, and then I had a gift for Patty in this other hand. So I was kind of loaded down. Now, what, I, what I'm about to tell you that I did is very scary. Don't do this at home. Don't try this because it will hurt you if you're not, you're not ready. But you know about some cardio exercise, there is an escalator right outside of that place that used to be an uh, 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 alteration place, and it goes down. There's no up escalator. So, me, oh, take a challenge, Johnson. I say, I can, climb, I can jump up that thing. I can run up that thing. I didn't realize how far it was from the bottom to the top. <laughs> now, you got to understand the steps are coming down. I'm trying to climb. I got this package on my shoulder. I got this thing for Patty, and I'm running hard. I get about halfway up, and I said, Whew, whoo, whoo, this is tough because it's like one step forward and two steps back. And I said, okay, I'm going to pause a minute. So I'm going back down, down to the, down the level. <laughs> so I take off again. And I get almost to the top this time. And I said, oh, God. <sighs> 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 I'm gasping. And when I get, I get there, I say, okay, I'm going to let it coast back down this little. And I was getting my breath, getting my breath. And it coasted a little bit further than I thought it should have because I didn't have my breath yet. And I took off again. Something happened. I didn't get my shoe over the step. And when I tell you I fell flat, I splatted, folks. I splatted. When I tell you I splatted, you know what a splat is? That's when nothing breaks your fall. Just boom. You just splat. And I splatted. The hangers that were wooden that were holding my suits together all broke. And the suit started going down the escalator one at a time. Patty's package was going down, just tumbling down. And I just finally turned around and sat down. I said, this is hell on earth. And I just rode the escalator down. When I got down there, I wasn't near as old as I am now, but when I got down there, people said, You all right, sir? You okay? I was never more angry and never more tickled in my life. I was a laughing madman because I had absolutely embarrassed myself to the nth degree. And I was glad to quote Psalm 16 and 10 He will not leave my soul inhale. Now some of you may be feeling like you're climbing up an escalator that's going down and you're trying to get to the top. Guess what? I went back, got more hangers for my suits. I went to the middle of the mall, caught the up elevator, escalator and I just rode, baby. I just rode. It's a lot easier. Here's (laughs) Here's what I want to tell you. Some of you are on a up, trying to go up or down escalator. Why don't you find a new escalator in your life? Why don't you just step on and let something take you to the top where God wants you to be? Amen. That's what God wants you to have in your life. He wants that to happen. He's the only one I know that will not leave your soul in hell. Elizabeth Harrison illustrates this truth with, she was a kindergarten teacher and she had this little boy named John and John loved her. And he always wanted to be near. And one day the new child, a new child started kindergarten. It was a little girl named Mary Helen and she was a very timid little girl. And so The circle time came and Miss Harrison suggested that John sit opposite her and not beside her. And John said, no, I love you too much. I want to be near you. And Miss Harrison said, can't your love for me stretch across the room? Finally, John considered. And after a while, on the other side of the room, he raised his hand and he said, Miss Harrison, Miss Harrison, my love stretches. I want to tell you something. You may not have God sitting right beside you today, you may not be walking with God the way you want to walk with God, but I promise you, his love stretches. Yeah. He, he is a God. He is a God that knows where you are. God loves, I love what the psalmist said about it in Psalms chapter 139. He said, where shall I go from the Spirit? Where shall I free from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol or hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me up. God's love stretches. Pastor, God can't love me because of where I've been. God can't love me because of who I am. God can't love me because of what I've done in my life. Hear me. God loves stretches. He he, he can find you wherever you are, and I promise you, he's closer to you today than you could ever imagine that he is because he's that kind of God. He's the only one I know that will walk into your world when everybody is walking out because he's a friend to the very end, and he will be that kind of God to you. Clap your hands all over the house and rejoice (laughs) for that. you'll not leave my soul in hell, the psalmist said. I want you to write these two things down. The first thing we need to note is this. Put it on your refrigerator this year. God cares. God cares. And then say, He really does. And the second thing I want you to write down for me is He will be there for me. He will be there for me. Now, what I'm trying to say is simply this. He doesn't merely observe us impassively from afar. He reaches out to rescue us. Or as one missionary said, unprayed for, I feel like a diver at the bottom of a river or a lake with no connecting airline to the surface, like a fireman welding an empty hose in a burning building. He said, but with prayer, I feel like David facing Goliath. I can conquer. God will help you face your giants If you'll let him. Unfortunately, too many of us come to God only when we're already at the end of our rope. We don't need to be at the end of our rope today. We need to understand that God is our help. He's an ever-present help in the time of trouble. And when God says, I won't leave your soul in hell, you, you understand that there's one that sticks closer than anybody in your family, anybody in your friendship, anybody in your work circle, anybody in your schoolhouse. There's one that sticks closer than that, and his name is Jesus, amen? And he wants to be here for you today. He wants to be here for you today. Oh, I feel the presence of God in this house. Clap your hands real big and love the Lord. Dale Evans Rogers when I was a kid I was raised on Roy Rogers I was raised on him and and, and she used this analogy in one of her books and I read this she said ships coming to port slow down to pick up the pilot she said they take aboard a man who knows every rock and every sandbar in the harbor and who can steer the ship safely through them to the dock They, they put this man on called the pilot Many times they drop him down from a helicopter and when the ship leaves the harbor the same pilot comes aboard to take her out to deep waters to the open sea and then they drop the pilot or they lift him off with some kind of helicopter. Dropping the pilot has always made me sad Miss Evans said whether it happens on a ship or in a human life but picking up a pilot always thrills me. So she sung the song Jesus Savior pilot me as I, as I travel the the, the, the raging sea, I, she said. I sing that as a child. It means more to me now than because I put away childish things. She said. I suppose I picked up a dozen different a dozen different pilots in my life on my voice before I I came to the fact that I knew that only one could really guide me. When I was a boy, when I was a boy, I, I wanted to be a fireman. Now I'm a fire starter. I'm an arsonist. <laughs> At ten, I wanted to be a cowboy. Our president. A little bit of difference in that. At 15 I thought about being an astronaut, a lawyer, doctor. I thought about minister. At 18 I wrote the FBI and wanted to be an FBI agent. I've had a lot of pilots on my ship but here's this West Texas boy today preaching to you on a Sunday morning because I finally got the right one on my boat. Amen. But here's my point today. If the Lord is good enough to get on your boat to dock you and good enough to get on your boat to get you through the rocks to the high seas. Why drop him off? Why not take him out there with you on your whole journey? Why drop the pilot that knows how to get you home and how to get you out of here? I've been to a lot of funerals in my life. I've been to a lot of places and I've seen people who want Jesus to dock their boat when they haven't put Jesus on their boat in their life. And I've seen people who, uh, who who don't want, who do not want uh, God in their life until they have babies born, and then they want the Lord on their boat to take them out to the high seas. Listen, if He's good enough to die with, and He's good enough to bring your babies to when they're born, He's good enough to rule your life, your whole life. That's the kind of Jesus I preach about today. That's the kind of Savior I talk about today. Come on, don't drop the pilot. He's the only one that will not leave your soul in. Hell! He's the only one. Nobody like him. Nobody like him. Nobody like him. I uh, I wanna I wanna give you a little illustration here, then I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish this message here in just a minute. There was a, there was a writer named George Moore, and he wrote a novel about Irish laborers. <laughs> During the Great Depression. And they were put to work by the Irish government on a a make work project to build roads. Now, you got to get this. And at first, these Irishmen that were working on these roads worked well and they sang their Irish songs and they were glad to be back at work because the Depression was coming to an end. But gradually, though, they discovered that the roads that they were building didn't go anywhere. They just ran off into bogs and they stopped. They just came to dead ends. They were not connecting roads. And as the truth dawned on them, they became listless and and they stopped singing. The quality of their work suffered. And commenting on this, the author said, the roads to nowhere are difficult to make. Let me preach a little bit. The roads to nowhere are difficult to make. What I want to say is this. God has created you. You've heard it 10,000 times with this God-shaped blank. And the only thing that's going to bring you pure happiness in your life. Psalm 16:11, in his presence there is fullness of joy. You may find some pseudo joy, you may find some temporary joy, you may find some joy that will take you to a place or two in your life. They say, "Wow, never anything like that." I love what Jim McMahon, the Chicago Bears quarterback several years ago said, if it's the Super Bowl, why do they play it every year? You know, after about 49 of them, I was a little tired of it when the Super Bowl kicked off this year. I don't know how you felt about it, but I was a little tired of it. The only thing I liked was the outcome. I enjoyed the outcome, but I was a little tired of it because life can just get mundane. Life can get running mundane. And when you start working on roads and building them and they go nowhere and you say, well, that was a dead end. I'm going to try this and that's a dead end. The only thing that I can offer today that's not a dead end in your life is Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. Oh, somebody help me preach right now. That's the only thing. That's the only thing that I can offer today. That is not a dead end road. Somebody tell me, give me Jesus. Somebody say, I want Jesus in my boat. Come on, I want Jesus as my pilot. Come on, say it. We're we're facing uncertain times, folks. I I got I got to say this. We're facing uncertain times. We're facing dilemma times. I don't I don't know if our election this November is going to fix anything. Some of us trust in those elections. That's not, that's not where our hope is. I don't know if that's going to work or not. And I'm not preaching anti-government today, anti-sentiment. T- I love the government. I, I'm, a, I'm a chaplain of a political party in the state of Texas. And, I, and I, love, I, I love the fact that they've asked me to do that. But it's not about that. It's not about that. The only one that will ever rule in this world, that will ever hold us to right and bring peace in our heart is Jesus Christ. And we've got to get him in our life. We must. We must. You know why? Because I can truly trust Him. I know He'll heal me. I know He'll forgive me. I know He'll wash my sins, and nobody else will take my soul out of hell. But He will not leave my soul there. Viktor Frankl discovered in the Nazi concentration camp that those who survived, and even thrived by prison standards, were the ones who clung to finishing the book, returning to their children or helping others bear their suffering. They had something to keep them going. Don't get on a road to nowhere. Get on a road to somewhere. And let Jesus pilot your ship. I close today. Robert Shuler is a read that I love. And this old man was told the story about an old man that was admitted for his 50th visit to an emergency room. And, 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 the, and the, the doctor told him, he said, you know, this is your 50th time to be here. And the old man considered that information for a moment. He said, well, I think that calls for a celebration. He was an alcoholic. He said, I think that calls for a celebration. Can we have a drink on that, Doc? And the doctor shook his head in despair and said, I can't give you a drink, buddy. You know that. The old drunk muttered, well, I'm hopeless, right, doc? The doctor said, I'll tell you what I will do. They brought a young man in down the hall, nineteen, twenty years old. It's his first time. Same problem that you have, and I want you to go and pay him a visit. Take a good look at him and have him take a good look at you. And maybe he won't take the road that you have taken in your life. The old alcoholic was shocked at this, and he exclaimed, you mean you'll give me a drink if I do that? Sure, the doctor said, you do that and I'll give you a drink. So the old man went down the hall and found a clean-cut young man who was the turning point of his life. Randy, if you'll help me. You know, boy, said the old man, you don't want to turn out the way I did. I was young like you once. I had a mother who had dreams for me. I had dreams. Now look at me. Then something happened inside the old man. The more he talked to the young man, the more he discovered that he had a mission in life. He had to save that boy. And they talked all morning, and finally they they made a promise. The old man said, I'll tell you what I will do. If you ever need a drink, you call me, okay? And the young boy said, and I'll do the same for you. If you ever need a drink, call me, sir. That was a turning point not only for the young man, but for the old man. And he went on to become the founder, yes, of Alcoholics Anonymous all because he shared his life to save another. You will not leave my soul in hell. Wow. Wow. Many of you have heard me preach about my brother his call to the ministry his call to do what I'm doing this was I think kind of given to me kind of post op I think when Eddie turned away and said no God said "Well, one of you boys going to have to preach I guess it's going to have to be you son I felt in the first part of my first part of my ministry that I was I was wearing clothes that didn't belong to me I was saying things that I didn't know I felt like I shouldn't be here that it was somebody else my brother should be here and I should be going to college getting education supporting his ministry and supporting his work because he he is so much more spiritual than I was but it's amazing here I stand here I stand today and I think I think the whole thing is this. I think some of us in this building feel the same way. I think, I think you think that this save thing, this being being called of God and living for God, is from other family members. It's not for me. This this save thing is not about me. It's somebody else. And if I stepped into that role, you know, they'd think I'd lost my mind. If I stepped there, people would say, "What's he doing?" I remember one time a man came up to me after I'd preached a revival meeting. He said, you're not right. You're not right. Nothing you said tonight made sense. Well, that really made me feel good. And I said, thank you. So I went back, and I I fit in the pastor's office, and I fell down, and I cried, and I said, God, if I'm not making sense, would you please shut me up and let me do what I want to do? And God said, you're making sense. He's just building a road to nowhere. You're making sense. And when I realized that this was really for me, really for me, that it was not God just saying, oops, I missed on you, brother, so I'm going to give it to you. When I realized this is mine, I could have this. I went crazy. I lost my mind in Jesus. Because I matter to him personally. Personally. I'm going to quit that. It wasn't because my brother said no, it was because I said yes. I said yes. Some of you, you think you're not good enough for God. You think that you'll never get there in your goodness. You don't get good to get God. You get God and he, he clothes you with his righteousness. Not yours. Not yours. Yours is filthy rags. His is good. His is awesome. Oh, I plead with you today in the name of the Lord. Don't drop the pilot. Get Jesus on board. He's going to be good enough to take you home to the harbor. And he's good enough to dedicate your kids to next Sunday on Sunday morning. He ought to be good enough for the high seas in your life also. Amen. Get Jesus on board. Would you stand to your feet all over the house? You're an awesome people. And I love you very, very much. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Just a moment. I just feel the presence of God. Would our prayer partners come quickly? I feel the presence of God in this house.